everybody, and welcome to the Darkcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley, and this is DCI number 140. In this episode, I'm talking to Tyrus Peace about his game, Cloud-Based Prime. Cloud-Based Prime is an action platformer that involves terrain deformation for uh, attacks as well as uh, environment traversal uh, as you fight murderous robots on a gas giant. To find out more information about the game, you can head on over to darkstation.com to check out the show notes to this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. Well, Tyrus, thank you so much for joining us on the Darkcast. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Good. Good. The life of a video game developer treating you okay? Well, I get to work from home, and I have my baby's like playpen literally a foot off from my desk, so it's pretty good. <laughs> um, not sleeping too much with the baby, but sure, he's doing I, pretty well. I would imagine uh, video game development uh, times child means like no sleep at all. Yeah, I mean, I try to sleep as much as I can because you don't do that well at either one of those things, you know, <laughs> raising a kid or making games without sleep, but it's a challenge. Nice. Nice. How, how old, uh, how long have you been a father? Seven months now. Wow, nice. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, how long have you been working on Cloud-Based Prime? Ooh, that's a trickier question. Uh, okay. I first made it as an entry in a seven-day FPS in 2012, which was the first time that jam happened. Hmm. And uh, I've been working off and on since then. So, I mean, yeah, five years since the start date, but I've only been working full-time since September 2015. Okay. So, either way, the the game is still definitely older than the baby. <laughs> yes, either way. So, awesome. going to be able to drink a lot sooner than him. So. <laughs> uh, Cloud-based Prime will get to take your, your child out for, for strength. It's like, here we mm-hmm. go. We're doing this. Um, so, where where are you actually located? I'm in Lubbock, Texas, which is uh, in the High Plains. As a friend of mine calls it, the forgotten hat of Texas, that little square up top. <laughs> so I like not... that, the forgotten hat. Yeah, it's really stuck with me because I didn't know what the hell to call it before. You know? <laughs> Everybody else has cool names for their hunk of the state when it's shaped that oddly, and I'd never heard one for this. Nice. Um, but that That's, helps. That is good. That is really good. Um, I've always thought that Oklahoma kind of looks like an upside-down baseball cap, you know, because you got that kind of handle going out. Yeah, um, definitely. It's not really a panhandle there. It's, it's the brim of the hat. Yeah. I'd agree. Yeah. So you got a baseball cap and then a forgotten hat. That's that's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, so uh, what what is your actual, like, background with, with video games? My background with video games is that I've been making them in my free time since, oh, the late 90s. I mean, as a okay. kid, I got started with, like, StarCraft use map settings type of things. I made uh, sort of, you know, those Diablo-style uh, click adventures that you play uh, with your buddies in multiplayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, I got into Half-Life modding. I worked on BuzzyBots, was probably the biggest mod that I worked on at the time. But that's a pretty obscure mod. So, you know, points to anybody that knows what that is. It was a cell-shaded, really simplified uh, capture-the-flag sort of a game. Okay. 
So was it just multiplayer only, or was it uh Yeah, it was. I mean, it okay. had some decent bots, but it was certainly multiplayer. Okay. Um, it was, you know, a good time for games when both in StarCraft and in Half-Life you could really get a multiplayer game going mm-hmm. um, and basically have a guaranteed audience, whereas now indie games basically have to be free if they're multiplayer, if they want anyone to play them. Hmm. Which, sure. Of course, that was the point with mods, too, but... Uh, you know, it's a lot easier then because you actually had people that were just sitting there refreshing Planet Half-Life <laughs> and wanting something to do. And you could do that, and you'd literally have hundreds of people play your silly little mod for a few weeks at least, and that was awesome. Yeah, definitely. I mean, now uh, multiplayer is a lot scarier, and I've kind of moved away from that because that's just a whole can of worms that I don't really want to get into because people get mad if you don't hook them, and sure. I don't like that in multiplayer games personally. Absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. I get anybody. Do I? I get that anybody that plays them like for in the long term gets mad, you know, because oh, if you don't hook people, they don't keep playing. So I can't keep playing this multiplayer game two years later and still find ten thousand people in the lobby. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you have to kind of treat your players badly to incite that. So sure, it's yeah, a it's, little sad to me. There, there's this like weird demand of time for for multiplayer games that. Uh... Like, I just find it amazing how so many new games are, you know, they're, they're coming out with these schedules of events and, you know, extra XP weekends and all kinds of crazy stuff like that, where it's just like, but I want to play other things, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's the hardest thing about multiplayer games. Um, I used to play a lot more of them, but realistically, as an adult, you can play maybe one multiplayer game at a time. They want all sure. of it. Sure, they, they have, it's like a college course. It's, they expect this to be your entire life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I have a job in other college courses. Like, you, no, this this can't be my life. Uh, yeah, no, I, I basically just cut multiplayer out of my life because it's it's too demanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's but, not uh, like single-player games are any less demanding, you know, games that have, like, 60-hour campaigns and whatnot. Yeah, but you can actually finish them and move on. Sure, Absolutely. So that's a nice point to have. Um, Indeed. But, you know, any multiplayer game, you can literally play for thousands of hours and people will get mad when it quote-unquote ends, when they, you know, sure. if the end game's not as fun as they want it to be. Sure. And I really want to find an audience that's into games that have an ending because I don't want to make a trap for people. <laughs> I just want to make a game that you play, see the story. Maybe it makes you think something you weren't planning on, you know. Uh, maybe it's a little deep in that sort of a way, but not something that literally... A, traps you and makes you keep on playing forever absolutely i can totally get behind that um what uh b- before we get into uh kind of talking about what you're you're making to fulfill that though um do you have any uh formal training in, in game design or anything like that not really no i'm a computer scientist i went to college okay. for that so okay, cool. and i learned programming there and i worked in software development at garmin for a few years Oh. Uh, working on their desktop software, actually. So, you know, people would always complain to me saying, "Hey, my unit misses this turn or whatever." But no, not the hmm. planning software or um, camera editing software, kind of boring stuff like that. Hmm. But it was very uh, customer centric, and so you know, that's I think is the main takeaway I had from my professional work is that I actually worked with clients a lot, and by that I just mean customers of Garmin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I really learned to 
take everything with a grain of salt. And by that, I mean, like, the mean things especially. Sure, <laughs> you know, sure. when somebody is complaining and venting, you have to sort of put up with it and find what they're trying to say to you. Absolutely. Um, and so I, I kind of had that bit of experience going into it, for, which is fortunate because most developers don't really get to talk with the people that they um, that their company gives the software to afterward, right? Mm-hmm. You kind of want to keep developers out of the forums until unless they get in trouble. I mean, obviously, game developers do that a lot. It's in the news a lot. Um, but, you know, a big company does not let developers do that usually. So I was very fortunate there. Sure. And uh, But my actual game development experience really comes from game jams. Okay. So I started those back in... Ooh, I'm going to say 2008, 2009 was the first one. And uh, at first, I just made one with my coworkers there. And uh, we all just did something that took maybe a week or so to give ourselves extra time because everything else is typically like a 48-hour game jam, a one-week game jam. And we wanted two full weekends because we were all very employed. Sure. Um, And it was our first one, more importantly, so we weren't confident enough to just spit something out in the weekend. but after I did that once or twice, then I did start doing, uh, you know, the Ludum Dare, um, 48-hour jams and whatnot, and eventually seven-day FPS. And so I gradually built up my confidence and uh, skills through that, and that that was really helpful. Nice. Um, but of but of course, before that, I'd already been doing little things um, earlier, so I, I wasn't starting from zero with game jams. But I would say that really is what taught me to finish things uh, on my own and not as part of a team which is, is, in my opinion, the biggest thing for indie development because you can go and look at game dev forums or whatnot and you will find so many people talking about how they're always tinkering on some game engine in the background. And I've been doing the same thing. I've been working with Unity since uh, 2.x. You know, it's probably 2007 or so. Um, and before that, many other game engines just farting around trying to just make cool things happen without really having an end game in mind, just piling on cool new ideas. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make a game, you know, that just makes a bunch of features in a pile. <laughs> and it doesn't, it's not cohesive for one thing, but also you're never going to finish it more importantly, because in the end, actually releasing is the only thing that matters to other people. Sure. Sure. And it's, it's the only way that it can, it can be, well, it's a, it's a weird statement, but the only way to complete something is to complete it and have other people experience it because that's like half of anything a, a movie art video games like it's not a game until somebody's actually played it yeah absolutely <laughs> but uh speaking of, of unity um i did not realize it was that old like I, I don't remember really hearing anything about it until probably like 2010 or so i didn't realize that it it was uh way back into the knots. <laughs> yeah, I mean, back then, uh, I think Windows support was new. It actually okay. started on the Mac. Oh. And so nobody really cared about it until um, Windows support was fully baked. Gotcha. And uh, Linux support came out in like 4.x, and that was much later, yeah, well into the 10s. But uh, I believe so. If you if you forgive some tapping, I'm going to check that real quick. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. Not a problem. Let's see. <laughs> oh, looks like everything was off for about two years. Yep, I got started on Game Jam 2011. So okay, that would <laughs> put my first poke at Unity in 2009, 2010. Nice. Close enough. It's close <laughs> enough. 
I still, I, I didn't realize that it was uh, around uh, as long as it has been. That's that's really cool. Uh, you mentioned some of the other, you know, kind of game jams that you participated, and uh, CloudBase is kind of uh, from one of those. Are there any other things that you've really enjoyed? Um, any other projects that you've been super proud of? Um, well, yeah, there's been quite a few. Um, my favorite one, besides that, I would say is probably Pile of Kittens because it actually won <laughs> me a, a Unity Pro license. Okay. Um, so that kind of put me on the track to having a slight leg up for a little while. Mm-hmm. Now, that was that was several years ago, so now I'm a few versions back and then not really leg up on anybody, but it was exciting at the time. It was the first thing I really won anything of monetary value for my games for, and uh, it was a Unity competition. It was for their uh, Flash and a Flash competition, which was, uh, well, it doesn't sound very important now, but back in 2012, it was a big deal to have Flash support in Unity, to be able to export a Flash game from there. Sure. Um, But, I mean, yeah, now nobody gives a crap about Flash, right? (laughs) (laughs) But at, at the time, it was really cool because I got to actually work with those developers a lot. I found a crap ton of bugs, which may be a big part of why I got an honorable mention at the end. Maybe they threw me a bone there. Um, but at the same time, I mean, Pile of Kittens, it, it's obviously a pile of kittens, and that's very appealing. Um, got a lot of attention, and I got to record a bunch of different cat sounds. So I have fond memories of that one, yeah. Nice. And I guess my first jam game was actually Subatomic Kangaroo World Tour. <laughs> which I can't take credit for the name of that one. That The entire point of the first game jam we did was to use the game name generator. Ah. <laughs> uh, it's just, which is a pretty cool website. I think everybody was into that a few years ago. Um, sure. <laughs> but that was really my first published Unity game, and... It did well enough, and I've gone and published it on Ouya since. And uh, the other Ouya game I made, which I should also mention, is Super Robot Space Fight, which was my first local multiplayer game. Oh. And that was that was actually a lot of fun for me to do something at launch time for that console. I mean, a lot of people kind of say that the Ouya was a failure, um, which I suppose it obviously was, since it's not for sale anymore. <laughs> <laughs> But for me, it was exactly what I wanted. You know, I bought I bought this thing and had this weird collection of kind of garage games mm-hmm. uh, to you know parallel it with like a garage band, like not really high quality stuff. But there was a lot of heart in it, and it was all very weird, and most of it was pretty unique. And you could just go and download like dozens of them and just play around. You know, like it was a grab box. Like you went and found a crate of NES games at a garage sale, but it was all just weird backwater games instead of what you'd expect and I had a great time with that I'm bummed that other people somehow didn't expect that out of it uh, I think uh, I think it has to do with the way that they marketed it as being kind of the, the next version of home consoles oh yeah they insisted somehow, it could do it all yeah, yeah it was some kind of somehow gonna usurp you know Xbox and, and Playstation and whatnot. and it's like no this is t- to make weird little games that you can play on your TV and be easily portable uh, yeah. It's it's basically an Android phone, but oh, it absolutely was without <laughs> the phone part <laughs> and the fan. The fan was a big deal. Uh, sure, sure. <laughs> it didn't have to uh, underclock that. But uh, yeah, I, I think 
I think it just had to do with the, the way they marketed that, which was which was sad because when they announced it, I thought it looked really cool, but then it just seemed like it wasn't getting the support, and so I, I never ended up getting one. And now you can't, so I never will. <laughs> well, you can get the Razor Forge now, which is similar, so probably don't get it. <laughs> is that their? Uh, is that Razor's uh, Steam Link like box? Yeah, it is. Um, it also can run Ouya games, so it must be based on Android. That's actually okay. where the Ouya store went to. Um, as an Ouya developer, I got an email saying that, hey, just click a few different buttons to rebuild and we'll put it up for you. Okay. Well, that's um, that's cool that it lives on in some way. That's, that's yeah. not too bad. Still floating around out there, maybe. I'm not yeah. 100% that I remember to click that button, but that's... <laughs> I didn't have a Razor Forge, so... I didn't really have a strong drive to release something I couldn't even test. Uh, sure, sure. And uh, the last Jam game I made actually was, it was literal YouTube bait, um, because I was struggling to get pressed for Cloud-Based Prime a few months ago. So I made a game called I Am the Captain for the Star Trek Jam. Mm-hmm. And in it, you're, uh, well, you literally just walk around saying I Am the Captain repeatedly. <laughs> it does not necessarily mean you are the captain of the Star Trek spaceship. Um, and you walk up to various consoles or whatnot, and you generally only have two options, and neither of them's good. For example, you have warp and crash instead of being able to pilot. Um, you know, shoot and teleport instead of any real communication controls with the other ship, that kind of a thing. <laughs> so you're kind of like a virus. That just insists you're the captain and wanders <laughs> from spaceship to spaceship and blows them all up. Just, I like it. That sounds fun. That sounds good. I tried to make it goofy, but very, very creepy. Like, you literally get onto the bridge, and then the second you get onto the bridge, everybody just turns around and says, you're the captain. I and, am uh, the captain, absolutely. That's how you take it over. <laughs> going from ship to ship, becoming the captain of all the ships. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, but none of that is is actually what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Cloud-Based Prime, um, yeah. which is a super interesting-looking game. Tell us what it is if somebody hasn't heard about it. Well, in Cloud-Based Prime, you pilot a robot suit on a gas giant, and you can move the ground, or rather the uh, platforms that this gas platform is made of, up and down, either to launch yourself or your enemies, can block homing missiles with it. You can really do a lot of things with it. I've milked it about as much as I can. And uh, you're running around, jumping around, and shooting many, many robots to discover what is going wrong on this gas platform. Um, there are various robots that are becoming infected, very violent, and uh, just trying to figure it out. So it really harkens back to games like uh, Jumping Flash, more simple arcade games, mm-hmm. I would say. Very cool. So, so can you tell us what is going wrong with this gas mining facility? Yeah, honestly. Um, it's in the first <laughs> level, so I don't okay. know why I started rambling. Uh, as you're walking around doing your, doing your job... You know, you make it about halfway through the tutorial, and of course, things start to go wrong because you don't want to make a tutorial too long in the game. Hmm. Um, a couple of missiles come down and hit the control tower for your uh, mining station, and all of a sudden, all of the other robot suits start getting little uh, error screens on them, 
they get a little more murdery than usual, and <laughs> you kind of just run away. Um, and it just so happens that you don't, you know, manage to run away and make a clean escape and not worry about it. You actually happen to fall further and further into the uh, mining station, and you find an older mining station, which happens to be called Cloudbase Prime. Hmm. And so uh, you find wilder and wilder robots as you go down, as the uh, the bad nanites, as the uh, fixed bots call them, uh, take over and cause essentially mutations in the robots. Because I, I thought it was kind of a cool idea for nanites to just not be a, a virus, because they are actually a physical thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can actually cause their robots to alter themselves physically. And you know, the, so the longer that things go on, the wilder things get. And that's actually reflected in the soundtrack, which I'm pretty proud of. Matt Javanshir worked on that, and it goes from digital to sort of or- orchestral as you make it down. Oh, interesting. That's, uh, I'm always a fan of, of music having kind of more of a part of the, the world or the, the story um, than just being in the background. Mm. Uh, so that's that's cool. Is it, are the robots becoming human then? If the soundtrack is becoming, or not human, but like organic in a way, it's just more, me, just... more organic looking. Yeah. Um, okay. It was important to me both in terms of my actually being able to model them sure. and the story that they keep looking very mechanical. Okay. But you know they'll they'll get more sort of of those uh, tendrilly robot arms instead of having hard joints, stuff like that. Okay. If, if that makes sense. And, uh, for example, you actually see many of the robots pre-infection in the mm-hmm. first few levels. You'll see something that looks like a kind of a tanker truck, except it hovers and it's going around sucking up all the fuel. And then later on, you'll see that same thing, except it has a few extra red eyes on it. And it's spewing out eggs that happen to uh, explode and spawn cannibalistic chomper bots. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's subtle changes. Yes, giant eyes and shooting out eggs that uh, produce more robots. Those those are subtle changes. Pretty close to a normal tanker truck. I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you saw it driving down the road, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. No, uh, until the eggs, at least. <laughs> but then, I mean, if you haven't noticed all the eggs, you're you're probably dead. Yeah. Um, which is probably why you didn't know it was not a normal tanker truck, because now you're dead. Um. So, so what are you? Uh, are, are, is what you're mining important, or do you actually do any mining in the game? You sort of do, yeah. There is a mechanic to extract fuel from your enemies, so mm. you're not getting to do the traditional extraction of it from uh, the atmosphere that you see in the beginning part. Uh, pretty much all of that just falls down and disappears to the core of the planet to probably okay. turn into diamonds and liquid metal. Yeah, but, uh, I, I, you probably have more uh, pertinent things to worry about with, you know, egg-spewing tanker trucks. So. Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you actually... So in Cloud-Based Prime, you have a left hand, which is just a gun hand, and a right hand, which is called the architect, and that's what you use to move the tiles of the gas station, gas station, uh, the mining platform <laughs> up and down. And uh, I should note, because people like hexagons, that these are all hexagonal tiles. Mm. And that architect hand can also be used to extract fuel from enemies by launching them. And so that's the idea of that is to encourage players to launch enemies before they 
shoot them to really use that mechanic in combat instead of just using it for puzzle solving. Okay. And uh, fuel can be used for various powers in the game, which you'll unlock as you go through different levels. You literally find them just sitting there. Uh, sometimes they're hidden, sometimes they're out in the open. It's stage-based, but in that way, it's a little bit like a Metroid-style game in that you're gradually getting more and more powers to use. Okay. Is that helping you kind of progress through the, the world, or is it just making you better at uh, dispatching your enemies? It it helps, but I took care to never make it required for mm. um, because of the stage-based nature of it. It didn't really make sense to make people backtrack to a different level. Uh, but at the same time, I, I really did want it to be easier for people that had these items. So, for example, uh, you can spawn holographic tiles in midair, and you could just use them mid-combat to, say, stop a homing missile that's about to hit you in the face. Or you could do it to skip a hunk of the level by you know making yourself a little bridge. Hmm. Okay. So you can create more than one at a time? Yeah, you can create five at a time about. Uh, that's your max fuel right now. Okay. okay. So would it be possible, though, to play the game without getting any of these upgrades? Yeah, it would be. Okay. Um, well... There are some that are given to you as part of the story. There's a second character in the game, technically okay. speaking. But, yeah, in terms of all of the actual unlocks that aren't just handed to you, yes, absolutely. Okay. I was, I was careful to design the game in that way. Now, it might be hard. Sure, but... sure. sure. Just like it's it's hard to play Dishonored without any superpowers. Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, sometimes we like self-imposed punishment. Uh <laughs> <laughs> So, being that you can raise platforms and lower platforms um, with just the push of a button, would you say that Cloud-Based Prime is the spiritual successor to that that gym everyone remembers made by LucasArts, Fracture? <laughs> I have been trying to remember the name of that game for at least a year now. Um, <laughs> I would say that it isn't quite... No. I believe you... <laughs> You could launch yourself in the air that way, though, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, you could. Uh, you didn't go too high. Uh, yeah, it's but not yeah, quite... um, And there was actually, I think there was a uh, a specific type of like jump that instead of just kind of raising the ground a little bit, actually did kind of like a, a spike, and it was yeah, I think I don't know <laughs> that that game was so generic. I may be mixing that up with twenty other games. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But, um, but yeah, all right. I mean, that that game had a real cool mechanic, but, uh, yeah, you're right. It was kind of generic and drawn out in a weird way, you know, so just throwing you into that repeatedly. Outside of the multiplayer, you didn't have a chance to do it. Yeah. Or, well, of course you did it, but not fast enough that it felt like a unique game. It just felt like a shooter where you could also do this other thing, where the grenades, you know, left a cool hole in the ground instead of just being a grenade. Right. Yeah, I, I think the much better thing would be for somebody to make a, a game that is somewhere along the lines of that and the original Red Faction, where mm -hmm. your explosions just take out chunks of the ground, and you can just keep doing that, instead of uh, doing what they did, which kind of, I don't know, it's, it did, yeah, it was just, it was a great idea, but just didn't work out. Um, 
But so it's not. It's not. You don't have any ties to to, to fracture here. <laughs> no, not quite. No. The proud lineage of fractured, unfortunately, is not. Uh, You're I'm not, not heir to that, that torch. Uh, I'm not heir to that, unfortunately. Uh, that's funny. So uh, I, one thing that I, I read on the um, the Steam page for this game is that you've had to deal with the plural form of jellyfish, or had to learn to live with the plural form of, of jellyfish. Why? Yeah. I mean, it's What's pretty up? stressful, honestly. All right. How how so? Well, you just have to say jellyfish and act like people know you're talking about more than one jellyfish. It's really... It ain't right. <laughs> okay. Um, um, there are a lot of jellyfish in the game, actually. There's a, there's a point in the game where you come across these jellyfish that are full of water and you get to swim around in them. Uh, I really wanted to have a water level in the game or, or a few water levels. But that's hard to do when uh, you're on a gas giant, so I had to yeah. be a little odd about it. Sure. I just made giant floating bowls, basically. Okay, so that that brings in a question, all, just all kinds of crazy things about some of the levels. Uh, from from what I've seen, there's you know platforms that you're kind of jumping on, you're launching yourself in the air on, and you're kind of going through a level um, that, I mean, it's not too dissimilar from other games in that you're trying to go from one point A to point B and there's ground beneath you, but this ground you can you know, manipulate and whatnot. But if you're going through giant bowls of water in the sky, how how does that work and what other crazy things are there in this game like that? Well, honestly, the main terrain usually is just the hexagons, but I do as much with them as I can. Sometimes they're angled, sometimes they can launch you even further. Um, sometimes they inexplicably have grass growing on them. Um, but also other sort of terrain challenges that I've cooked up uh, are, yes, the, the water jellyfish. Um, rail systems, which go over these hexagonal terrain, and you can deform them by moving the terrain through them. And uh, basically that's a little physics puzzle to try and launch things off of the rail by making a big hill. Hmm. And uh, shield domes that you have to puncture or find other ways to deactivate. And a lot of rideable bosses, because I really liked the idea of having these huge monsters that had terrain just sticking out of them that you could climb around on. So uh, for all of the people in boss fights that you know accidentally clip into the boss, I'm sorry. I thought it was cool. <laughs> I bug-tested the hell of it, out of it. As far as I can tell, it's not going to happen, but I'm sure it will happen, because... That's the nature of making a giant climbable boss. People will just fall through it every once in a while. <laughs> that is that is true. Um, so are are you using those platforms kind of uh, Shadow of Colossus esque and to get to a specific like weak point or something like that? Or um, why why are you climbing on the boss other than just to try to annoy it by you know tickling it or something? Yeah, I mean generally they're really big, so they'll have multiple weak points. Okay. Um, one of the bosses, for example, starts off flying above you, and then you eventually have to get above it to take it out and yeah. guess get to its weak point. Okay. Very cool. So, um, if when you're lifting yourself up to say get to this boss that's above you, if you're already in the sky, how do you go about launching yourself skyward? In what direction is that? 
Well, I would say Skyward's all is up, right? Okay, sure. Good. Simple, you know, uh, concise answer. That's you know, it's more philosophical than it really than is. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of cool. I've gotten very sidetracked reading about the science of gas giants and whatnot. You know, I sure. wanted to know, like, well, how long is it reasonable for me to fall story wise? You know, can I say that the player fell for a day and they're still alive or would they have been crushed by that point stuff like that hmm. <laughs> have you found answers to things like that well it takes about two weeks to fall to the center of okay. jupiter and by that but by that point you would be crushed into uh carbon and liquid diamond because apparently carbon gets crushed so much that it turns to diamond but the pressure so high down there it can't be a solid so wow. that's pretty cool that is cool but I don't know the exact kill time anymore. I, I did okay. remember that at some point, but it so turns what, out I don't have a point in the story where you fall for several days, and I'm like, uh, oh, no. This wasn't really a high-tension story point, so I didn't go for it. <laughs> that that could be an amusing cutscene, though, where you get knocked off a platform, and in every other game you just fall a story and get knocked out or something. But this is when you fall, fades to black. It's like one day later, fall, <laughs> two days later still falling <laughs> uh, that, could, that could be DLC the, mm-hmm. the adventures of falling to the center of the earth or this uh, this planet not, it's not earth, earth's not a gas giant <laughs> uh, this, this podcast would be much more difficult to have if it was um, <laughs> uh, so previously you mentioned some of the, the cool gadgets that you're, you're getting throughout the game uh, can you talk a little bit more about some of those tools that you're getting yeah, and how um, they how they affect the game. The first few that you get are more or less like architect hand superpowers. So you can send out a shockwave that does this pulse through the hex terrain and launches all of the enemies up in the air, mm-hmm. which is a uh, almost like infinite fuel mode at that point as long as you don't miss because you keep launching a p- big pile of enemies and get more fuel. Um, you can also just get a more like a, a more standard sort of architect bomb, much much like in the beloved game Fracture, where you throw a grenade out and it leaves a huge dent in the terrain. And uh, and this standard death beam and the hollow terrain I talked about earlier. Um, but one of the things I've been working on more recently is actually a, a grappling hook for the second character, uh, which, which isn't an unlockable. That's more once you get to that point of the story, you have a grappling hook. Mm-hmm. And it really speeds things up and... Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that people will really enjoy how much faster the game is at that point. It's all this is sort of push and pull because you see YouTubers play games and not to disparage YouTubers as a whole, but in general, you know, it's always the first 15 minutes of people's experience I'm seeing. And uh, so I'm very nervous about making something that much faster, that much more difficult or um, spazzy, I guess. But uh, sure. personally, I'm really excited about the possibilities. I mean, now you can climb those uh, sky-high enemies and actually get into them from below with the grappling hook, or you can slam in enemies from the top to just pop them. So it's a lot of new new toys to try out there, and it really keeps the gameplay fresh, I hope. Nice. Now, how is how does this uh, grappling hook uh, work? Is it a more just kind of... 
you attach to something and you zip to it, or you swing from it, um, a la, like, Bionic Commando, what, how, how is it, uh, how is this grappling hook? For the most part, you just zip to it. There's some mild physics in it, but I found that in this game, you can fall very, very fast, and people don't really realize how fast they're falling. Mm. So, I, when I actually had physics taken into account, you would grapple, and you would keep falling for, you know, multiple seconds sometimes, and it felt so stupid. But then I actually checked how fast I was going, and yeah, it made total sense. Uh, so, so now, more or less, almost stops you entirely, and then you start zipping toward it instead of swinging around. There's still a bit, but... Okay. And, there's, and for the slam, it, well, that obviously is, you just slam. <laughs> I said it right there. So. You just do the, what the word says. Yes. That's nice. That's, that was a well-named thing I, I put into the game. <laughs> Proud of that word. Slam. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Well, awesome. Uh, wh- when is the, the game actually coming out? Well, it's out on Early Access right now. Ooh. And I'm hoping to go into beta with the next release, which it's currently aiming for late April. Okay. But uh, so, so it what, depends what on kind the beta. Of... Okay, sure, sure. What what kind of uh, fun, crazy stuff are you hoping to be introducing with the with the beta? Well, the end of the story, actually. That's, I mean, a lot of the time, uh, beta means you know when people think the gameplay is fully baked and whatnot. But I want a beta to mean that you can get to the end, you can finish it. Okay. That doesn't mean it'll be perfect. It doesn't mean I won't listen to a voice line and think, oh, that's terrible, and redo it. But uh, you know, I'm trying to be done. <laughs> I, I want this to be a full game at the point of beta. Not necessarily fully, fully baked, but um, yeah, that was the original intent of the word beta, right? Your feature complete when a game is right, beta or right. a software is beta. So that's what I'm going for. I can't promise that means I won't add more content. I don't think it would really make people happy if I did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, a full game at that point. So that means a few more story levels um, and a lot, end boss fight. And I guess I have to make a credits page. Mm. Uh, sure. I think those usually play at the end of things. I mean, it'll be like two people, so it'll be kind of weird. But <laughs> very slow credits, just very big <laughs> font. Do uh, do vertical typing. Um... I like that idea. Make him spend like ten seconds wondering what that letter is. Oh, is that a T? Nope that that was an I. That was that was an I. Um... <laughs> now. Um... Way earlier in the podcast, you had mentioned um, with working in kind of customer service and working with uh, people, figuring out uh, kind of the, the the real thing behind what somebody was saying uh, if they were complaining about something. Uh, I'm sure you've gotten to deal with that a fair amount being in early access. Uh, are, are there any particular things that you've had to, to work for um, in order to kind of, I don't want to say coax it out of somebody, but to, to figure out what someone's actual issue with the game is or, or figure out what they're actually suggesting and how has that like impacted the game? Yeah, I mean, there's been a good few times where I've had people complain about you know, the movement speed in the game or the different available actions, you know, saying, oh, I want to... I want shooting to be cooler, and uh, 
you know, I have to ask, well, how far have you made it in the game? Mm-hmm. And, you know, usually the answer is, well, I watched a YouTube or I played it. <laughs> I played the first two levels. And, it, you know, I'm conflicted about that because it would be nice um, if the game really pulls you in. And I, I think it does. But if somebody's already getting a little uh, annoyed at how slowly things are going at that point, then you know, maybe we need to speed it up. And so I've moved where you can unlock the first couple powers literally into the first level. Uh, well, the first power, singular. And uh, I've spiced up the scenery in the first few levels also quite a bit because that was another thing people were saying. You know, oh, the first 10 minutes of the game are kind of bland. And I really wanted to get people's uh, opinion on, you know, well, what about the next 20 minutes, you know? I think the next level looks pretty cool. What do you think? Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard to squeeze it out sometimes. Um, but, yeah, a, a lot of the time people will come and just ask for a feature. Hmm. And the tough thing about that is, well, why do you want that feature? You know, what's, what's the hole you're actually trying to fill there? Because if I have a hole in the game's design, I want to know about it. You know, I don't want to put in somebody else's solution for a problem that they saw without knowing what the problem was because, well, I'm the developer. I, I should be coming up with the solutions here, you know. Not not out of a control thing, but out of a, I have the whole design in my head standpoint. So, you know, I can see if that's something that will be fixed on its own later, if I can bring that forward, if I already have a solution. Mm-hmm. So that's the big challenge, I think, when you're, a developer talking with people so that they will say, why doesn't the game do very specific thing? And you have to figure out, well, is that a feature request or is that just something that's broken? Sure. <laughs> and it's really weird how hard that is to parse out sometimes. I can imagine. I, I can imagine. Because, I mean, I imagine there are plenty of things where, um, you know, somebody's asking for something. It's like, well, that that's just not what this game is designed to do. I, yeah. I did have somebody tell me to make everything 300% faster once, which was, <laughs> like, everything? It's, it's a lot. I don't know. <laughs> that said, the game does get about that much faster once you get that grappling hook, so, you know. That's, that's for you, well, guy. There, there you go. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Just have to make it there. <laughs> and and that's a, sort of a, a constant pull that I have because... So much of the feedback I get is from YouTubers, and you know that first fifteen thing is mm-hmm. well. Should I really be showing people the whole game right away? And sure. you know, right now I hope the answer is no. I show them more and more, so it gets more interesting from the outset, so people aren't bored. But I mean, I, I want there to be a lot more of the game to find after that first bit. And frankly, people seem baffled enough um, with the first two levels already. I don't think I need to pile more on the poor folks. <laughs> Oh, one one anecdote um, to yeah. to draw this out even longer. <laughs> I thought it was pretty pretty ridiculous uh, on my part. Was I had somebody asking me, "Well, how do you do this puzzle?" You know, there's um, there's this giant tree you have to climb in the game, and well, there's literally uh, an arrow pointing at it, saying, "You know, get this to the tree." And I was trying to, you know, I was just quizzing him, asking in really roundabout ways. Well, how do you think you should solve the puzzle? And what do you think? And then, gradually, this guy just seems so baffled that I had to go and look. And 
I had changed code in a way that caused that arrow to get deleted. Oh. So, <laughs> no, I can... For the most part, I'm trying not to make my early access players do Q&A for me, but every once in a while. And I'd... Uh, you know, I, I hope that I didn't come across as treating him like, oh, why aren't you figuring out my silly puzzle? <laughs> but, of course, I was kind of thinking that in the back of my head until I saw that, and obviously I was the idiot. So it's, <laughs> which is an important rule in all software development, usually. It's your fault, and you're dumb. <laughs> uh, that's. I, I'm sure everybody could actually probably learn from that. Um, uh, just, you know, check to make sure if you're dumb first, uh, before <laughs> saying somebody else's. Oh, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, no matter how many times you learn that lesson, uh, you'll do, you'll do your dumb sweep. Yep. yep. Like, okay. It couldn't possibly be me. It's gotta be something else, some really low level issue. And then you'll work on it for, you know, another, another few hours and go, oh, well, this is probably like five characters that I messed up in some random file, and that's it. You know, the, mm-hmm. the longer it takes you to find a bug in software, the smaller the error is, and the dumber you are. That's just the nature. <laughs> nice. That's that's good to know. That is good to know. Well, that that does it for my my questions about uh, cloud-based Prime. So we're gonna finish things off here with a, a questionnaire that we like to call the end game. Uh, it was originally called the lightning round, um, but there's really nothing lightning-y about it. Um, so we're, we're just going to jump right into it. And the first question is, who's your favorite video game protagonist? Hmm. That's a tough one because, see, I, I'm terrible about this because it's usually the last game that I liked. I just, mm-hmm. I forget right okay. away. That's so I'm actually going to say Noctis from Final Fantasy XV because he was uh, he was actually pretty well developed by the end of that game, and moreover, his bros his bros loved him, <laughs> so I loved him too. <laughs> and if you make it through the credits on that game, that's I think I think it's easy to agree with me. But if you haven't, I understand why you'd be perplexed. I, uh, I I've yet to play uh, that, so I, I have no opinion. I w- yeah, I wish I could drop a classic character on you, but I'm basically an amnesiac for old characters and games. That's that's fine. You you could actually you could drop any Final Fantasy character on me, and I'd be like, okay, yeah, I've heard that one's popular. Um, <laughs> that's I've, I've just never gotten into JRPGs, uh, but that's that's for another conversation. Uh, flipping the protagonist on its head, who is your favorite antagonist? Ooh, that would be a big spoiler. Hmm. How how old is the game that you're? Dragon Quest, in, uh, Dragon Quest. That that'll be that'll be an interesting one. Dragon Quest Inquisition. No, not quite. <laughs> uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. That's that's a couple of years old. We we can go with it. Okay. I really that's liked fine. the reveal for Silas at the end. I, I thought that was awesome. Nice. It was just this long, sort of nerdy, lore-based, not necessarily a villain, but not on your side. And mm-hmm. that's my kind of bad guy, you know, where he has these really long, drawn-out motivations, mm-hmm. and isn't really just, oh, I want to kill, I want to kill all the bad, all the good guys. 
like the like the actual main antagonist of Dragon Age was, I suppose. Um, sure. But yeah, you know, without spoiling things too much, I would say Silas was mostly at fault in the end. Yes, yeah, he, he was. He was a good one. He's definitely a good one. Um, I I liked. I, I liked the the other one, um, Crypheus too, just because that brought back from Dragon Age Two, and I'm one of the few people that really liked <laughs> Dragon Age Two. <laughs> uh, so I was glad to see that they weren't just ignoring that that game existed, as sometimes happens. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, less popular sequels. The the whole bit behind how he got all his powers and how he chose to use them was pretty neat. Uh, mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, so, so moving on from there, are there any trends in the um, in the video game industry that you really like and wish were more prevalent? Uh, wish you saw more of. Um, I think Lady Villains is pretty cool, and it's starting to happen. Mm. It's, it's just, uh, frankly, it's nice to, especially in the AAA game, when it, when you have a Lady Villain, it's an opportunity to hear a different voice actor because <laughs> i mean there's like a a palette of maybe half a dozen deep voiced intimidating sounding guys that are every bad guy in video mm-hmm. games um, but but also it's it's just nice to have sort of an acknowledgement that you know this this end boss of the video game isn't the end boss because they're super strong or they're literally going to fight you at the end necessarily um you know, it's it's part of that trend as well, I should say, where they're not trying to make some muscle-bound monster be the main antagonist anymore. Um, sure. So, that, I like that trend in general, and I especially like it when all of a sudden, like in, uh, ooh, I didn't expect to blank the name of the game here, Infamous. In the latest mm-hmm. Infamous game, they had a, a, a middle-aged woman. Who, her whole thing was just that she was in charge of this uh, very powerful organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of a uh, evil bureaucracy of uh, mutant roundup. And yeah, she was awesome. I mean, that, yeah. her whole thing was just that she was powerful and very intimidating just from what she could do, who she could order around. Absolutely. And she wasn't like some crazy seductress or anything. She was just like a normal lady that happened to have superpowers and was mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, that, that was, that was a really good game. I um, really enjoyed that. Game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's always crazy when people like people that shouldn't be a problem for a main character to beat up somehow are in the end mm-hmm. and uh the, the example that i'm actually thinking of is from a, i don't remember which one it is but one of the recent uh mission impossible movies there's like this middle-aged guy or not even middle-aged like 60s or something guy fighting tom cruise and it's like why is this a problem why what like tom cruise has beaten up 50 people in this movie without an issue and now this guy who has sat behind a desk for the whole movie it's somehow posing a threat? Like, how? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd really hope that somebody that can actually fight would, like, interrupt, and then, you know, there's your, there's your end fight, sure. <laughs> but no, that, that's not what happens. Uh, anyway, uh, 
on from there, uh, are there any tropes in the video game industry, things that you wish uh, weren't so prevalent? I'd say just the full list of things that makes it really embarrassing to have somebody else walk in on you playing a video game. So, you know, I mean, it can vary, but there's just so much boobage, (laughs) way more than necessary. I mean, and I'm in the... I'm on the level of saying, like, Bayonetta is fine by me. That's honestly... I'm, okay, yes, that takes some explanation. Yes, Mom, she's uh, a harrowmancer, basically, and all of her clothes are her hair, so she needs to be naked when she punches people. <laughs> um, but I'm honestly still fine with that. But, you know, there's just this... I'm not going to necessarily say it's a trend anymore. It's just a trope that's tapering off, I would say, um, of... All of these, all these games just leaning on that character design, and this, mm-hmm. you know, not just that it's ridiculous, and that half the time you have an action hero, you know, wearing clothes that would not be able to keep them contained while they play um, whatever <laughs> sure. sport or violence that they're going at. But uh, it's yeah, it's just lazy as well. And uh, although I should say the other trope is just the bleeding of mobile into every other game uh, especially multiplayer games where you know there's now incentives to start up a game daily uh you know like you could in counter-strike you know you, <laughs> you don't want that or you know why would you have that there you know i'm here for competition i'm not here to get my daily login reward so not to not to name counter-strike is doing that specifically um Let's say Warframe does that, yeah, because they actually do. Okay, sure. All right, so you are getting to to live the dream. You are you are making a video game full time. Uh, if there was anything else that you could give a shot, though, what would you want to do? Well, that's a toughie because right now my time's pretty pretty much spent. So <laughs> previously, I'd worked on a web comic. Actually, it's okay. where. Uh, a lot of my art experience came from in terms of simplifying designs uh, for, well, initially for comics, but also, you know, very important in video games when you're the only developer to make something that you can actually uh, make. Sure. And so I would love to be able to also work on my webcomic. Okay. It's been a long time and I've kind of forgotten what was happening, but <laughs> I miss it and I miss drawing. Um, I, I do a lot of album art for Cloudbase Prime, actually, and that's a little bit of me um, trying to keep that up. Mm, gotcha. Very cool. Album art in that I release like a new sort of cover image for each alpha. Okay. Nice. Uh, if there was any video game that you could play again for the first time, what would you want to play again for the first time? Hmm. See, now, I think a lot of people go nostalgic with this question, but honestly, if I was going to play any, like, PlayStation 1 game again for the first time, it would be missing a lot of the nostalgia that it needs to not just make me barf right away. So, <laughs> I'm thinking Mass Effect, probably. That's that's recent enough that oh, it still looks pretty good, and that story... Good choice! Good choice! I mean, obviously I'm cheating a little, because in the back of my head I'm thinking the whole trilogy, but, yeah... That's okay. That that works. Still, uh, out of the three, I think the original Mass Effect is the best place to start because obviously it introduces everything. So. 
You're you were my new friend, friend. <laughs> that's 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 a good answer right there. Um, and and our last question: um, When you come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom at the end of your life, and Toad is there, uh, what do you want him to say to you before he lets you in? Well, it's ah, see, this is rough because I mean it's it's bad news if you see Toad at all. You're you know you're at the wrong castle at that point. Maybe not. I mean, it's, I don't know. It could be different rules. Yeah, he can true, say true. anything. He can. He, okay. he doesn't have to say the princess is in another castle. Let's hope he doesn't say that. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to uh, say the princess is in this castle. Like, congrats. You did it. That's uh, a little boring of an answer, but that's what you hope for, right? You don't want to be at yeah. the wrong castle in that situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well, Tyrus, that does it. We we have completed uh, the end game and the interview. Congratulations! Um, <clears throat> I don't I don't have any prizes for you, but um, thank you for for joining me and and chatting about cloud based Prime. If you could send us out though by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about your game. Yeah, they can just go to cloudbasedprime.com, and that's got a nice little trailer. Screenshots for you to check out so you can make the decision yourself if my intense rambling was not enough for you here. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it, so hopefully other people will uh, go and take the plunge. Uh, again, thank you for, for joining me, and good luck as you continue developing the game and leading towards beta and final release. And uh, good luck with your child as well. I hear those take a lot of maintenance. <laughs> they sure do, yeah. It's coming a bit of a trick to even work in four hours of work every day so we'll see what i can do and thanks for having me it's been a pleasure <laughs>